today on Doomed! How to take down the machine. On today's episode of Doomed, Momita Ahmed joins me to discuss the new reformers taking on the Queen's Democratic Party machine, her run for district leader, how she was almost removed from the ballot, and much, much more. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York primaries are quickly coming uh, are, are coming around the bend next Tuesday, June 23rd. So we're going to do a few shows this week talking with uh, some good folks who are running for office in, uh, in New York. And my first guest this week, let me pull her up on the feed right now and give her a proper introduction. Mumida Ahmed, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I can't wait. So I wanted to have you on because I think, you know, I've, there's a lot of people in, you know, the New York primaries are coming up and there's a lot of different people running for many different offices. Um, we have, uh, you know, the very top of the ticket, a Democratic presidential primary race, which is practically, you know, all said and done, all, all over, but, you know, people should still vote for who they want so that person could get delegates uh, to have a presence at the convention. And then we go through, you know, there's congressional races, there's statewide races, there's citywide races, and there is a race, uh, many races throughout the city for a position called district leader. And I think a lot of people might not be familiar with what exactly a district leader is. What are you running for? What is it? You know, what does the position entail? So tell us, what is a district leader? Yeah, so the New York State uh, elections, um, the positions at least are divided up into, you know, two kinds of positions. So you have the elected um, paid positions, uh, which are your elected officials, ca- council members, etc., right? Um, who are, uh, and then you have unpaid positions, and these are essentially party positions. They're Democratic Party positions, and they're extremely important because um, just like any other club, the Democratic Party is a club, right? It runs like a club. It has chapters, etc. It has bylaws. And so the district leaders make up the executive committee of the local county Democratic Party. So if you've heard the word county machine, um, that's the local uh, Democratic Party um, that people are talking about. And Joe Crowley for, was the county boss, um, right? So right now um, we still have a county even if we don't have and uh, have Joe Crowley as its boss and we have a new boss his name is Greg Gregory Meeks and um, in Queens in particular there are 72 district leaders and the district leaders um, plus the chair of the county and um, the you know secretary and treasurer they all make up the executive committee um, of the Democratic Party, and they get to make really, really important decisions. For example, they can nominate a presidential candidate on behalf of that local party. They can they control the local Democratic clubs, 
who play a huge role in gathering petition signatures and, you know, endorsements through and making endorsements during uh, local elections that are super important. And they are also people who appoint judges uh, and nom uh, judges for civil court. So they're very, very it's a very important position. And not many people know about it, but that's exactly why I'm running. I want more people to know about it. Um, it's a highly coveted position that's occupied by elected officials like congressmen and assembly members and state senators and council members. Um, so they're they're literally like it's a conflict of interest for them to even uh, be a district leader and an elected official at the same time because district leaders are supposed to hold elected officials accountable and sort of be a liaison uh, between the community and electeds. Um, but yeah, it's a very important position and I want more people to know about it. So is this is this like a, a city position or is this like a like is this a, a citywide position or is this like a, a, a Democratic Party position? It's a Democratic Party position and uh, it's you know, it, it's uh, it's based on the county, Democratic County Party. So, I mean, citywide, there are district leaders. Brooklyn has district leaders. Queens has district leaders. Manhattan, Staten Island, they all have district leaders. Um, but like it, uh, the, they, the each like each borough has its own district leaders. And those district leaders make up that borough's county democratic party like that democratic party does that make sense like yeah. each borough has its own local democratic party called like we have queens county there's brooklyn county there's king uh, sorry king's county right so yeah right you know it doesn't sound at all weird or you know like something yeah. something sketchy could happen being that it's a democratic party position that's up for votes nothing weird about that nothing uh, could go wrong there you know go wrong there and that's exactly <laughs> right. why I'm running to to show that so much does go wrong and you don't even need you don't even need a uh, caucus app to screw things up for this uh for this either you don't need a weird dark app for uh that that comes out of some weird company in Iowa to uh, no, mess they, things they, up <laughs> no because the county the county appoints board of election commissioners um you know they've got it all figured out they they created the structure that we have to abide by. And so my goal is to um, bring some reformers into the structure and change their bylaws and transform their bylaws. Um, it's kind of similar to what Bernie did with the Unity Commission, right? He tried to change the rules on a national level. So I'm kind of doing a similar thing on a local level um, but I would say it's a little bit more impactful because we're actually trying to get elected. Um, right. So, you know, and many states have their own versions of this. Um, so, so before we we get into your specific run, I, I want to go into a little bit more about the new reformers. What what is the new reformers? The New Reformers is a pack. Um, it is made up of organizers across Queens who have come together and are running for district leader. And uh, you know, we're we have a, we have some principles and platforms. Um, we're working with groups that have created pledge, created a pledge, um, ha and have had many 
elected sign onto the pledge. The pledge simply says that if you're uh, elected official, then you can't hold the position of district leader because it's a conflict of interest. Um, so we're just seeking uh, accountability. We're just seeking uh, transparency from our democratic parties. You know, um, our local democratic clubs are kind of used to almost to rubber stamp um, a lot of what our, you know, corrupt elected officials do, and they're occupied by real estate developers and campaign consultants and staffers. And when it should be occupied, when these positions should be occupied by everyday people, organizers, right, people who are already getting involved in campaigns and things like that, who are trying to make uh, make their communities better, um, who are trying to fight for working class people. Um, so that's the goal of the reformers is to really just create a pipeline for everyday people like you and me to run for these positions. That should be for us. Right. So how many, I noticed a lot of people who are, you know, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, uh, people who are running for district leader positions uh, this year. I, I honestly can't recall ever seeing such a big deal made out of these positions. So I think right off the bat, you guys are successful in at least, you know, getting the word out that these there is a actual elected office called district leader. So congrats yeah. on that, number one. <laughs> and, um, you know, so how many people are running, you know, out of this new reformers movement? This is yeah. first of all. This is the new reformers is just the the queen's version of of this, yeah. right? Okay. So so how many people are running from this new reformers movement? And then also, if you know how many people have been inspired, maybe uh, uh, citywide. Yeah. So uh, there's actually I think it, like 19 or 20 candidates running just in Queens. And the great thing about this position is most of the district leaders that we have currently have never been challenged. And many of them are old and really not representative of the district, uh, districts at all. So it'll be, these are very winnable seats. Um, like my opponent is 82 years old. Um, so, you know, uh, they're winnable. So we're expecting some wins this year. Um, and our effort actually has inspired um, you know, Brooklyn to the, uh, they're working on a kind of a similar project. Um, and then the Bronx is planning to uh, run people for district leader. Many organizations from all over the boroughs have reached out to us and asked us to give them our blueprint so that they can make similar organizations. So that's, it's going to be really exciting. Um, I think, uh, Queens and Brooklyn um, is having their district, uh, like they, the Bronx and Manhattan is actually electing district leaders next year. So this year, I think it's just Brooklyn and Queens. Right. Now, um, I, I want to ask you about your race specifically now. Now, before we get into, uh, you know, all the details of, of your run right now, I want to take a step back, actually, and talk about how you almost weren't able to run. Uh, you know, you set up this whole campaign. You, I've seen you do the work, and then all of a sudden, uh, I'm not sure how far into the campaign you were. It felt like it was not early on. It felt like it was, you know, really, you know, deep into the campaign. Um, 
all of a sudden there was all this news and I saw it was even be it was even being covered by local, you know, local like Gothamist covered it and a lot of local uh, New York City news outlets were covering it. You and another young woman were removed from the ballot. What happened there? Yeah, so my, uh, what happened was that um, the Board of Election has a commissioner, Miguel Araujo. These are people's names. They don't want you to remember, by the way, so remember it. But uh, Miguel Araujo is a commissioner at the Board of Election. He was the commissioner when 127,000 Bernie voters were purged. He is, a, uh, he is appointed by county. Um, he's appointed by uh, people like... Uh, Michael Reich, uh, Frank Bowles, uh, Gerard Sweeney. Uh, Michael Reich is also the guy that was on the days in 2016 when we were, um, when Bernie delegates, um, I was assaulted by a donor. And then when Bernie delegates, um, votes weren't counted to include a co-chair to go to the DNC convention. So these are very powerful people that not only run the Queens County, but they actually run the state a Democratic Party. Um, so th those guys appointed Miguel Araujo, and Miguel is actually was actually fined ten thousand dollars for corruption by the Conflict of Interest Board. So he and he makes money um, working for these three lawyers whom I mentioned earlier. So. Are they those, probably are those three not to interrupt you but those the, I, I, honestly i know who you're talking about are these the three lawyers who like make money every time someone dies without a next of kin in all of queens or something like that that's correct that yeah. is yeah. that honestly uh, that is worthy of like a ten like a multi-episode uh like series of its own because yeah. that is insane that three random individuals lawyers literally make money every time someone dies in Queens and there's no one who, you know, who survives them in their family. There's no next of kin. Unbelievable. Uh, and, I, and make money off of home foreclosures as well and third-party transfers. Therefore, they, you know, they haven't invested. Uh, they have to invest in a relationship with the Real Estate Board of New York. And they don't even live in Queens. That's the other thing. Long Island, right? Yeah. That's in Long Island. And what is their role with the Democratic Party again? They're... They have many, many roles um, with the Democratic Party. I mean, uh, Mike Reich was a superdelegate uh, with, yeah. So, you know, it, it's not a lot of people know much about them, and that's unfortunate. Um, there are reporters who try to cover them as much as possible. Um, we do need to talk more about them. And that's part of the reason I'm running is to stop SRB, that's that's the hashtag we use, stop SR, SRB, because they do run so much of county politics and they use district leaders to basically rubber stamp whatever decisions they make. I mean, during the presidential election, um, the county just put together a min, uh, uh, an event last minute to have district leaders come in and endorse, uh, try to, they tried to endorse Joe Biden. Um, when there wasn't even, you know, election was like still like five months, so like four months away um, in December, right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so we actually held a protest, new reformers, and we stopped it. We said, you can't just make a decision and endorse somebody when w we still have an election. Right. 
when Iowa hasn't even happened yet. Um, so you know, this is the kind of this is uh, when this stuff. is when protest. You you just mentioned this. I, I think I remember this happening on, on 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 seeing this play out on Twitter. Like you you had people show up who actually like put a stop to this. Yeah, we did, and they yeah they ended up. Uh, yeah, they couldn't endorse Biden, and Biden, from what I hear, struggled to collect signatures because of that. Now, I, I, I didn't mean to segue there away from your particular race, but I just had to, because you know, I, you know what this reminds me of? I, I remember there was, there's multiple stories like this, but you ever come across how you know, insane some of these stories, and there's always a big outcry over these stories where you hear like, uh, a, uh, like a prison warden or something gets a certain budget, and for the year for the prisoners and whatever he doesn't spend, he's able to keep like in some counties, that's the law. And like, so you find out that the, the, this warden or this police chief or whatever it is, I forget the exact scenario, but whatever he doesn't spend on the budget, he gets to keep for himself. He goes into his personal wallet. So that's why they skimp on funds for the people who are in prison. That honestly, like some of the things that these guys do really reminds me of that. And the idea that there's not some like outcry and this hasn't been changed is just incredible to me that like these, yeah. these guys get away with so much that literally enriches themselves. And it's it's like there's nothing to do with the, them. It's, I mean, it's not even really all that like related to anything uh, electoral or uh, Democratic Party related even. The idea that these guys make this money off of these weird laws where if you die and don't have any family they get your money like it's just unbelievable to me they've created a ponzi scheme and they make money off of the democratic party they hand out judgeships that's that's another way that they make money um right so they benefit off they benefit off of having their own appointed you know uh district leaders because they want to um like that's how they make money and so Right now, what I'm doing is really hurting their wallet, uh, and they're not, and they didn't want to have it, which is why they used um, any like loopholes that they can exploit to essentially kick me off of the ballot. And they tried to do similar things when Kaban, Tiffany Kaban, ran for office, right? They like what? There's like a saying between Queens organizers where it's like if you go to court with the board of election or county you're always going to lose because they give pro bono services to their candidates and it's really just hard to win against them in court so when I won it was like it was a big deal not just for me but like a lot of organizers in Queens. Um, We jumped ahead though why did you get removed what was their reasoning for you being removed off the ballot? So they removed me off the ballot because my uh, legal name, which is Kia, doesn't is wasn't to them wasn't diminutive in enough. Like, uh, sorry, my real name Momita, like my name Momita, wasn't diminutive enough of my legal name, which is Kia. But um, and you know, it's by Western culture, sure. But if you look at like Asian Americans, Asian Americans have like a Westernized name and then they have their Asian American, like, you know, Chinese or Korean name, right? So it's a little bit similar in that way in my culture where we have like a Muslim name and then we have like a Bengali name, which we call like, it's it's similar to like a pet name. And as I was growing up, it was always really hard for me because my name, it's like really hard to pronounce and it's like really, it's spelled really weird. So every conversation I ever had with anybody was like, 
they like they just oh it always started with them butchering my name but like it was like every conversation right. you know it was like literally the second i i stepped into this country like my first conversation was with a tsa agent and they butchered my name um and i was like eight years old so when I was little, I I liked my name Momita because it was just a little bit easier to pronounce. So in order to assimilate and accommodate basically Americans, I started using my uh, pet name. And there's no, there's no law that says that you can't use um, another name to run for office, especially if you can prove that you're not doing it to mislead the public. And in my case, uh, that was true because my Twitter, my, I, you know, my Twitter is verified as Momita. Um, some sometimes I receive checks that has my name Momita, so like my bank knows it, and and so everybody knows me as Momita. I never really try to like pretend to be anyone else. So uh, and the New York State Board of Election actually approved that uh, version of my name when I ran as a Bernie delegate. So but for but the NYC Board of Election. Uh, decided to kick me off of the ballot, saying that it's not diminutive enough, and that um, and they cited a case um, uh, called uh, Anatoly versus Strasser, and they basically said, well, we can understand Anatoly to Tony because this guy changed his name from Anatoly Eisenberg to Tony Eisenberg and changed his last name to like, instead of E-Y-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G, he changed it to E-I-S-E-N-B-E-R-G. And so they used that case to be like, well, your name's not like, we can understand Anatoly versus Tony, but we don't understand your name. And same thing with my colleague, Mary Jobida, who's running against a county candidate, uh, Kathy Nolan, longtime county candidate. So, you know, they said the same thing where they're like, we don't uh, we don't feel that Meherun Nissa to marry is diminutive enough. And so we saw that as a little racist. Right. Because right. Queens is a very diverse county. The thing about People that, the thing about her name, too, like like you mentioned with your name, like, you know, in English, it doesn't even it doesn't really maybe match up with your name. But I, I hear it in the name you just get in her name. Uh, yeah. you, know, you could hear Mary in there like there's like that's definitely even in English. So like that one especially is is I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous that they would do that to either of you. But yeah, they have no right to really make that call as especially white men, because they were that's what they were. And, you know, nothing against necessarily white men. But when white men are trying to uh, dictate what's an acceptable diminutive of a name, especially when Anatoly is, a, I think, a Russian name. And, and usually Anthony to Tony would be the diminutive. So for them to make the case that Anatoly to An Anthony makes sense, but not Meher Nessa to Mary, it, it was just, it didn't make any sense. The other thing that they got me on or, you know, was that they supposedly sent me a letter of appeal which I never received, by the way, and it was never, um, uh, it was never, uh, sorry, I'm like blanking, but it was, um, uh, like it wasn't a standard mail, like it wasn't mailed to me, certified mail, yeah, right. <laughs> my brain froze for a second, but yeah, it wasn't certified mail, um, so I never received it, and, you know, it was also during the heart of, like, at the height of the pandemic where and around that time Trump had defunded the postal workers right um so expecting me to get a mail 
at that t- time and then kicking me off the ballot for that was just really I mean, it was cruel because I'm a candidate running to represent a community that doesn't have any representation, even though we're the third largest immigrant population in New York City. We have zero Bangladeshis in legislature. Um, So for me to run for like a basic position in my district where 36% of the district is Bangladeshi and South Asian, um, and we have zero South Asian district leaders, like for them to make that call was just really hurtful and it was really unfair and it was really cruel and it wasn't democratic at all. It wasn't inclusive and it wasn't trans, like it wasn't very inclusive. Um, so yeah, but the judge that I had was very fair and he ruled that in a diverse county like Queens, we have to be more open-minded and we have to allow we have to understand that there are going to be many candidates with weird, you know, all kinds of names. He he said exotic <laughs> music, um, who are going to run for office. But you know what? He's he's still great because he made a good call, and uh, he was like that are going to run for office, and um, we have to, you know, we have to let them. We have to make it easier for them. Right. And honestly, that was such a like a. It was almost. Um, like it made sense like all of it kind of just like at that moment I was like I was meant to run for this position I don't care how even if it's unpaid the fact that I'm running to elect better judges right to fight for civil rights and then my judge uh, ruled that I should be allowed to get back on the ballot just like inspired me even further where I was like no this is so important Uh, district leaders get to choose judges like I, I'm doing the right thing. Like this is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Yeah. We'll give we'll give a we'll give a pass to an old guy doing the right thing, and just maybe <laughs> using the wrong terminology. We'll give him a pass. As long as you're doing the right thing, we'll give we'll let you slide this time, buddy. <laughs> hey, Bernie, right? There's some old right. white men there that are pretty great. Right. Not not enough, but yeah. <laughs> we need more. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's actually, you, you brought up something perfect and I do want to segue into that. Um, I read a piece recently that basically highlights this sudden boom in Bangladeshi progressives running. And I just want to say, love to see it. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> love it. Uh, credit is, I mean, I've known you for a little while now. You've been on the forefront of, of, you know, getting uh, representation for your community. So Props to you. I really do think you're someone who's yeah, you led the me charge. Bangladeshi video. Yes, yes. And um, so, what do you think is going on? I, I love to hear it, but I want to know. I want to know why this is happening now. Because it, I would love to. You know, that should it should form a model to replicate for for years and generations to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are so many immigrant communities. Um, that are also trying to do similar things. I was just talking to State Senator Jessica Ramos the other day, and she's like, you know, we're, we want to try to do what you're doing with the Colombian community. And um, it's great that it's great to hear that because um, we should like all of these communities should fight for representation, especially now. Right. And I think that Bernie really opened up the door for this t- like a uh, type of politics that inspired young people in particular to get involved. And then AOC kind of just blew the door open. Like she just like kicked it <laughs> and 
her victory inspired so many young women in particular from all communities to be like, you know, I could do this. And I think the Bangladeshi community in particular was one of the groups that were inspired. So um, after her campaign and then through Kaban and and through other races, um, more Bangladeshis who were getting involved in the political process kind of started to get to know each other and come together. And that's how we ended up starting a group called the Bangladeshi Americans for Political Progress. And basically, it's an organization that's trying to organize a Bangladeshi voting bloc. And we realized that in many elections, Bangladeshis were kind of turning into like, the like the voters like that the make it or break it voters like you know like they're pretty progressive like we started becoming more um, like during Kaban's race um, in areas where there were majority Bangladeshis um, kind of gave her the vote to win at least the first um, you know first round right like uh, before absentee ballots like that extra margin of votes um, right. so it was and it's especially because Bangladeshis are everywhere. They're in, they work at 7-Eleven, they work at the fruit stands, they work at the gyro stands. We're very working class and we have a history of revolution and socialism. You know, my grandfather was a martyr. Um, our Bangladesh was, became, gained its independence um, in the 70s. Um, so there's a rich history. It's kind of in our blood, you know? So... Uh, to be leftists. <laughs> so um, when we realize that we have zero representation, even though in Queens alone, there's 66,000 Bangladeshis and in New York City, there's like almost 400,000 of us. We're like, and we're the largest Muslim population. Um, many of us organizers came together and we're like, we need to organize ourselves. Um, we need to start getting more involved and running for things. Now, you mentioned, I can't believe I did not mention this up top, but you mentioned, you know, how, how uh, Bernie Sanders was integral to uh, so many of these uh, Bangladeshi progressives running for office. Um, you actually founded the Millennials for Bernie group. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me, uh, how, 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 you know, uh, let's, let's, uh, I guess this is where we'll, I guess, feel a little bit. <laughs> sad or maybe not uh how do you feel about how this all went down with the primaries uh i mean i was very heartbroken i worked um so hard the last six years um and i just i was very devastated i was looking forward to bernie coming to new york and campaigning for him and um, you know, like organize, we, I think when his campaign did come to New York for like a week before the pandemic, uh, before the lockdown, we had given our organization voted like they like came out, even though there was a pandemic, like at least a hundred people came out to vote for Bernie. So it was really exciting. Um, and yeah, so I was really, and I, me and my friends, we started, uh, NYC for Bernie um, and we had collected 4,000 signatures in the first week of petitioning when um, during ballot access. So we were we had this machine that was like ready to go. Right. Uh, so it was really 
it was hard. I mean, it was just rough. Like, imagine you, like, did everything for this one moment, and then it just got taken away, like, snatched away. Like, everybody felt really empty and, like, just, like, heartbroken and, you know, so... But, you know, as as the founder of Millennials, specifically for Bernie, you got to yeah. feel good about how that millennial, uh, the millennial support turned out for Bernie. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously we wish more of them did. But the percentage of people under the age of four, I think it's 45 that voted largely for Bernie Sanders. I mean, I know I know he did better overall in 2016 than he did this time around. Uh, but in 2020, he totally owned a complete age group on, that that grew from 2016. Like in 2016, I believe it was like, oh yeah, Bernie completely uh, you know sweeps it up and mops up the floor with uh, people under 30. And then fast forward four years later, and you up that number to to 15 extra years at 45. That's that's crazy. Yeah, well, can I say I'm really good at organizing voting blocks? <laughs> but yeah, Melanie, I was really happy about that. I was like, the one good thing that came out of this is absolutely the fact that we have a millennials voting block. Um, we have a progressive Latino voting block. Um, we have a Muslim voting block. And these are going to take us to victory in the next, um, you know, next year, the years to come. And I think we're seeing some of it now with uh, Black Lives Matter, too. Like, so I think I saw an article the other day that was like, somebody was like, where are these Bernie voters now? Like, what? why aren't they going out and fighting for black? Uh, like, what are they doing? Why aren't they getting involved or something? Fighting or for they? Joe Biden. Why aren't they fighting for I, Joe yeah. Biden? I don't know. Yeah, they were just say, accusing us of not being involved. And somebody said, like, they're all at the protests right now that's what they're doing because we're you know we're young and right now the protests are being led by young people so it's really cool to see that right now i want to make sure we focus on your specific you gave us a great overview of so much and now i want to make sure we we focus on your specific race now tell me the area you are running in, what is what is the area in Queens? And, you know, you, you mentioned an 80 some odd, some odd year old person who you're running against. What, what is the deal there? How, how did this, you know, who, who is this person? You don't have to give his name if you don't want his or her <laughs> name if you don't want to. But, you know, how did they get into this position? And, you know, what what is it that you're facing here? What is the you know, what what is it? What is the outlook yeah, so my opponent is 82 years old and, you know, God bless her because she has given a lot, like all of her years to doing the bidding of county and they've, and she had these political ambitions and county never really like, they just kind of used and abused her. So I do feel bad wait, for her. Wait, but wait, 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 hold yeah. on a second. So this is someone who wanted to actually... Uh, work in politics as an elected official and you're saying that they were told you know we'll start you with this position and then and then help you out from there and they never delivered for her they never delivered yeah and so she ran for city council I think a couple of times and I mean she's been she's held this position for a long time and and many people right use this position as more of a like a resume boost Um, they don't really do anything with it um, and which is terrible because that's not what this is for. Right. Um, 
and like she, also with yeah. the, with the uh, also it seems kind of I mean maybe it, it, it you know it integrates you with the official party you know mechanisms and machinery and the people in there get to know you but but how many people are we talking about there maybe a few hundred max the majority of voters do not even know about those positions for them to be a resume booster to them you know what i mean like yeah exactly no it, it's also more like she get she had uh, she has many court appointments by the way so she's an attorney so um you know, she definitely benefited off of being a district leader, because if you get to make court appointments, that makes you a very powerful person. Why is it? Uh, why is it? Why is a Democratic Party position making court appointments to I don't I don't get that. Why is that a thing? Like, that seems like that should be something that uh, that's not connected to a party. It should be something that a, the, the, a citywide elected official or a statewide elected official does. Like they, they vote for a, a, a judge. Why is that? I'm, I'm, that's weird to me. No, I agree. I agree. And you know, these are some of the things that I'm trying to bring light like you know the like uh, these are uh, these are qu- great questions i'm also trying to figure out the answer the county is very um like very secretive they're not transparent like you can't even find these district leaders um they're not really listed anywhere most of them don't have websites or twitter or anything um the ca- the party bylaws all of it is just like the ca- party is just not transparent so many of us who have these questions right and are trying to change it we have to rely on like folks that have this knowledge um you have to be a special person to access this knowledge which is ridiculous to me because that's not what a democracy is democracy should be that accessible Democracy should be accessible to everybody, right? So, um, yeah, good question. I, I don't have the answer to it, but I hope I will definitely have it when I win. <laughs> right. Yes. So, so let's 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 go there. You win. What is it that you like? The district leader can 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 advocate for or push right off the bat. Like, what is something that I mean? Obviously. There is no elected position where you get elected and just you make something happen. I just mean, what is something that uh, you have a power to to you know work with other district leaders to try to move the needle on? Yeah, I can introduce amendments to make the party more accessible. Um, right now, I'm running on a platform of language accessibility, um, and I'm also trying to. Um, make sure that the district leader position, which is really, um, it's a very gendered position. It's like one of the only positions in New York State that's super gendered. And so recently we had a few folks who are LGBTQIA um, who were kicked off of the ballot because um, in order during uh, ballot access or to qualify on the ballot, you have to write male or female next to your name and if you don't do that they can kick you off the ballot right which I, I'm, is really- I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because i i totally you know it you know i saw this 
a, a bunch of times early on. I saw, and I forgot w- which candidate specifically, but I saw mm-hmm. a few of them, you know, I'm running for male district leader in district, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, mm-hmm. and, and when I first saw it, I was like, what? Why would you, why would you, why would you portray it as that? Why would you say you're running for male or female? And then I looked a little bit more into it. And I was like, no, that's actually, that's actually the technical like position they're running for. They're running for the male seat or the female seat. Which I, I, I don't know if there's anything else that, that, that works that way in terms of elected positions. Uh, that's just so bizarre. It is bizarre. And it's also a testament to how out of touch our county is, right? Like, this should be an easy fix. This isn't something I should be advocating for in 2020. Like, it should have been done, and it's not. And that's exactly why so many of us are running because literally like the basics aren't being met. I, I will say this though. One weird side effect of that is probably that district leader was probably, you know, if you look at the, the, uh, the, the, the makeup of the district leaders, it's probably the most diverse in terms of male and female of all of the elected officials, <laughs> oddly enough with this weird, you know, uh, antiquated system also somehow made sure that, you know, because what uh, what I what I fear might happen if that is taken away is that won't help LGBTQ people. What will happen is uh, a bunch more men will get elected and take away some of the positions from everybody else. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have to be careful and we have to make sure that there's like, you know, um, some kind of clause or amendment or whatever that says like it has to be uh, like district leader positions have to reflect the diversity of the community, et cetera. And really, I mean, there's, uh, this is the kind of conversations I want to have. But the thing is, it's not even like, we're not even having it because we don't have young people in uh, these positions. We don't have the voices that should be having this discussion in these positions. Um, So I think the first step is to actually make sure that they can get in and they can talk about this. Um, The other, You know, the other thing is um, just making it transparent because the party does all kinds of wheeling and dealing and nobody knows, like they can just call random meetings and just endorse people and like they violate their own bylaws and nobody ever holds them accountable. Like there's just like no really, um, there's there's a lot of uh, dysfunction, like there's no accountability for it either so I want to you know work with other district leaders to figure out a way to make it so that the party's um, accountable to working people so that any anyone can go and say hey like you know why did my district leaders just um, endorse somebody when there's like a vote hasn't even happened like how did that happen like when did this meeting happen like these are right now these are uh, things that I find out because I'm like in the organizing space because of the network that I have. But it shouldn't be that way. Like you shouldn't have to be well connected or have access to money or lawyers to be able to run for this position or to know about this position. It's it's a very, it's a local position. It should be accessible to everybody. The other thing district leaders have been doing in our county is they've been appointing dead people to county committee, which is the most local position that you can run for within the party is that the position is that the position you just mentioned dead people but i also recall this was a position i think it's this position i mean obviously if they're appointing dead people i'm guessing this is the one i'm thinking of 
where they were also appointing just, you know, random elderly people who had no idea they were even being appointed. Yeah, that is correct. Yes. And yeah, so they do they do random people. They do people who live in like Florida, like my friend um, Maria Coffer. She was running against a woman in Florida. <laughs> how 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 do they find you know if the if the board of elections is legit and not targeting specific people for other reasons how do they uh you know go after people uh two young women who live in New York City mm-hmm. running for a New York City position because their names are a little bit different than their legal names how do they target how do they go after those people but not also at the same time at the very least target the the person living in Florida who is completely ineligible to run for a position like that. Exactly, exactly. They're only thorough when it comes to people like me. Um, Mumita, I I think there's something more at play here. Do you get that feeling? (laughs) I mean, they're like, they're just, they think that I'm not part of the Democratic Party and which is a ridiculous claim because the new New York state is a closed primary state. So if you don't want them like people who are maybe independents or maybe not like, yeah, like independents and have, other, you know, they're not necessarily Democrats, right? They're socialists and whatever. Like how can you expect, like if you're not going to make the state an open primary state or even a semi open primary state, how do you expect us to have a voice? Some of us have to have to join the democratic party. Right. And, you know, I've been, a, I've always voted Democrat um, because I have no other option. Like right. I have to. Right. right. So anyway, so their argument, they, they try to, and here's the thing. There's lots of people who are running for district leader who are not, um, they weren't necessarily Bernie supporters who ran who who ran for county committee a couple of years ago, and the county treated them like they were insurgents who were trying to take over their party. And they uh, ran dead people. They ran uh, random people who had no idea knowledge that they were running against them. And that actually radicalized these people who were who just got involved because Trump got elected. Right. And it radicalized those people to be like, wow, the local Democratic Party is like hostile and they're awful. Um, so, you know, it's. Right. It's, I mean, is what it is. Right. I mean, there, you know, I've been into progressive and leftist politics for a very long time now, uh, giving away my age as an older end of the millennial uh, generation. And, uh, you know, there really was a, a, a dramatic shift. When with Bernie Sanders just running in 2016, like it completely, you know, changed the game in terms of like, I remember, you know, under the Obama administration, just early on being called all sorts of things because I wasn't, you know, uh, uh, towing the party line. And I was, uh, you know, to the left of, of those people. And, you know, you would be called an emo prog or whatever other terms they had for us at the time. And, you know, there wasn't that many people who were on, you know, on on that side of the 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 equation then. And then Bernie runs, and what what a shift! And they're yeah. still they're still struggling to figure out what they're going to do about it. And you know, for every AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, they're they're like literally, you can tell they're like, you know, crap. What are we 
what do we do about this? This is a, a real threat. You know, you could, you know, the media, a lot, a lot of media organizations or, you know, Democratic Party leaders, uh, people, you know, who, who work for the Democratic Party in Congress or, or, or wherever, the DNC, the DCC, uh, you know, they, they, they like to put out statements and little, you know, pepper little, little uh, news blurbs in the, with the press where it's like, you know, look at all these these progressive candidates who are losing all across the country. Well, yeah, they're the underdogs. The fact isn't, look how many are losing. That's always been the case, how many are losing. The real news story is, look how many are winning. Because we went from barely any of them winning to, you know, every election season, you got a little bit more and more and more winning, and they're winning in bigger uh, positions of power. You know, they're, we, got, we got leftists in U.S. Congress now. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing what's being done. And I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with people like yourself who, who, who you know, worked at the ground level to make this happen within their communities. You know, I, I, could, could AOC have done it without the people in, in her community uh, who, who, you know, and I think, you know, uh, U.S. representative seats in that, you know, the House is a great, a great area for, for leftists to work if, at the highest level. You know, Senate... And of course, the presidency is clearly an area where we're still working towards. But you know, it's amazing to see what what's been done in just a few short years. And you know, I think with the new reformers project, you know, that's something that's going to just benefit down the line in terms of getting people in power. So you know, when when a party wants to endorse the, a a you know a, a seated elected official, you know, the incumbent, it'll be a lot harder for them to do that off the bat, which will in turn help. A lot more rising stars uh, within the party who are progressives and leftists to win those elections. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, it it's really hard. the fact that we've won so many seats despite the obstacles is incredible, and it's just a testament to if you do get involved, if more and more people do um, start paying attention to what's going on and start voting, et cetera, right? That we can make a difference. And so we have the power to really have this bottom up political revolution that Bernie's talking about, where we all just run. Like literally there's enough positions all over this country for all of us to run for. And if we just all did it together, we could get so many of us elected. and we can make such a huge impact. Um, so that is what I call like a real like, you know, um, surge in like progressive, like real progressive movement. And I think AOC winning like that victory really um, woke up so many young people. And and that's exactly what we're doing now. We're running. Um, some of these people are running for local seats like state assembly, state senate. Um, I'm where I live, we're running um, in a slate. So basically, it's six of us running. We have two judicial delegates, Ali Najmi and Sharon Kunkun. And then we have um, myself and my uh, uh, friend Mahtab Khan. He's running as the male district leader against Weprin. Um, and then we have a state assembly candidate. Um, so all of us together, we collect when we collected signatures um every like one every signature counted for all six of us so which was cool so we did some slate organizing 
And we saw that slate organizing is actually really effective, especially with like justice Democrats. I mean, maybe it wasn't like an official slate, but just having like a group of Democrats running on the same principles, same platforms, it just made it easy for people to vote because they're like, we'll just vote for the justice Democrats, right? right. Um, we, we drew lines. And I think that's super important, not just on congressional levels or on Senate uh, on the Senate level or even the presidential level, but like in like the hyper local level as well. So, right. Yeah. I mean, that's literally what Bernie Sanders meant when he was talking about a political revolution. I mean, it it gets it gets distorted in so many ways from the people, the naysayers and the Bernie haters who who were like, oh, you know, he wants a revolution. People don't want a revolution right now. Well, that's not, you know, he wasn't talking about a literal, you know, pick up a a firearm and and revolt and and take a political revolution is exactly what's going on. People are, are feeling empowered to run for their local offices. And little by little, we're seeing people just the a normal everyday citizen taking power and i mean that's that's what it's all about now where you know if i want to make sure people who are listening know a how they can vote for like where they need to live to vote for you and then b if they don't live somewhere where they can vote for you uh how they can support uh your run or any of the other district leaders who you you support yeah, so there's 20 of us, so make sure you go to newreformers.org or follow them on Twitter uh, at Reformers New to see like the slate um, and see if there's a reformer running in your area. Um, and so, and the second thing is, uh, if you live in my district, definitely vote for me. If your assembly member is David Weprin, then you can vote for me. Um, my areas are Jamaica, Hollis. Um, Hillside, Briarwood, um, Hillcrest, uh, Sutphin. So it's it's a couple of areas. Um, but yeah, if you if you live in David Weprin's district, then uh, I would be uh, a, your district leader candidate. Um, and then if you want to help me right now become a district leader, um, I really do need folks to help me phone bank. Um, this is this isn't like. I'm not running for a very like a high position, so I'm not trying to raise a ton of money. In fact, I'm I'm trying to show that a district leader position shouldn't be one of those positions where you dish out ten thousand dollars out of your own pocket to run. Um, it should it shouldn't cost money to really uh, become a district leader. You should just earn that vote uh, by doing the community organizing work, right? So. Uh, you don't have to give give me any donations. You can just help me phone bank, and I only need a thousand people to come out to vote for me. So, uh, really, yeah. that's 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 incredible. <laughs> how no, I mean that's that's incredible. Just help me. I mean, there's no better represent represent representative. Excuse me, of the idea that every vote counts. Only a thousand people can put you into a position where you will have some say in the direction of, of the party. I mean, that's, 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 that's important, for, I think, for people to understand. And also, I think, you know, this conversation, I think, you know, if you're listening to it, you might think it's New York-centric, which obviously, you know, it is about New York politics and also a very specific area of New York politics. But, you know, in many ways, it's actually, like we were even alluding to earlier, representative of how uh, there's positions like this all over the country. 
And, you know, this is how these positions get filled. They get filled by uh, interpoliticking. And then finally, people are saying, you know what? I want to run for this position. I'm not going to just let someone get appointed and, and, and run unopposed. So, you know, I think this really goes to show just where we are uh, in in 2020. You know, maybe one one bright spot in our our dystopian current <laughs> life where we're living under a pandemic and, you know, a, a, a mass uh, revolt of the status quo on the streets in terms of what's going on with, you know, police just uh, getting away with really murder. I mean, <laughs> what, but maybe that's, you know, that's not, maybe not the, maybe not the direction to bring the episode as we close it out. <laughs> yeah, no, well, if, Again, like go to votemomita.com to get involved, or you can find me on Twitter at Disruptionary, or you can go to my uh, Facebook page, Momita for District Leader, and just uh, if you'd like to help me phone bank or get involved, or if you just have any questions about how to vote during this primary. The other thing is make sure you um, re request an absentee ballot if you are scared to go and vote in person. Um, by going to nycabsentee.com. The deadline is tomorrow. Right. So it's really important that you do that. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast, the deadline is likely today because if you're listening to the audio version, which goes up after this episode, you're most likely listening to it, which is now tomorrow. So oh. again, June 16th, we got, a, we got a number of people watching the live stream, so that works for them. But a lot of people are going to be listening to it tomorrow for the audio version, so I want to make sure they don't miss it. June 16th, Tuesday, today, most likely, if you're listening to the podcast, go to, what is that website again, Mumita? NYCAbsentee.com. Make sure you go there, request your absentee ballot, get your vote in. You'll be able to vote for the whole slate of New York, uh, you know, uh, New York primaries from, again, presidential uh, primary all the way to district leader. So, uh, Mumita Ahmed, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was great. <laughs> Take care and good luck. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. Uh, how are you all doing today? Uh, we are going to actually not go into the second half of the show right now. Because what I am currently doing is I'm scheduling a few different interviews this week with people who are running uh, in the New York primary. Um uh, discussing with a couple people right now. And so I'm working on giving you guys a multiple episodes this week. So what I'm going to do is we're going to uh, end the show, patreon.com slash mattbinder, support the show, uh, make the show possible. And then uh, again, resuming next week, you will get a members episode. But this week you're going to get like two, three uh, episodes at least, at least. So uh, support the show, patreon.com slash mattbinder. Drop a super chat in the YouTube live stream if you're watching right now. And if you get it in right now, I'll get to it before the uh, end of the show. Uh, I am going to uh, give you other places to support the show. Subscribe at youtube.com slash mattbinder. Uh, follow me on Twitter at mattbinder, on Instagram at mattbinder, on twitch.tv slash mattbinder. Anywhere you watch uh, or follow people on the internet, just search Matt Binder and you'll follow. You'll find me. Um, also support the show by telling your friends about it, telling your favorite YouTubers and podcasters about it. 
tell them who uh, tell me who you want to see on this show and tell them you want to see me on their show uh, oddly enough after the last show people were like oh, I want to see you on the surfs and I was like oh contact the surfs and let them know the surfs reached out to me and I will be on the surfs uh, next week uh, I will let you guys know more information on the following episodes uh, this week, but I will be on the Surfs next week. Um, the Surfs TV, I believe their website is. I believe their Twitch. They 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 run their mainstream on Twitch. I believe they also do it on YouTube. Um, what else? What else? What else? So doomedpod.com for the podcast version of the show. Also go to iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, and subscribe there. Uh, leave an iTunes review, a star review, or a written review. Uh, either would be greatly appreciated. What else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, and let me thank all my patrons by name. Um, I want to make sure I thank you all. And then after this, I will. I see we got one super chat. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but the fantastic, wonderful people who make this show possible at patreon.com slash mattbinder are Abigail T, Adam Q, Alan B, Andrew C, Andrew H, Angela, R-E-R, Baka, Ben, Benji, Bobby M, Brian S, Brosnan, Champagne Kami, Chris F, Christine H, Cindy G, Colin R, Connor R, CT, uh, Cul-de-sac, uh, Cyber Snowstorm, D, Dan K, Dank Uger, Dave K, David Z, Daya, Douglas V, Dragon Slayer, Eugene B, Froz K, Free Hat, FTW All Day, uh, Graham C, Greywind, Greg D, Greg D, Grim L, Helmy, Hitesh, Igor D, Jack D, Jacob W, Jameson Test, Janelle A, Jasmine H, Jeremy M, JLS, John B, John S, Jonathan B, Joseph H, Joseph R, Joyce M, Justin S, Katie S, Kaushal, Kyle, Lisa D, Mariah, Mark S, Maddie J, Max W, User Me, Melissa M, Mitch V, Michael B, Michael J, Michael M, Mr. Dinks, NS, Nicole A, Namdaynet, Null Style, Odeth, Paul M, Penelope D, Kuster, Rad Dad, Remy, Ryan, Scott R, Seth K, Sean H, Sheena A, Silicon Baby, Stephen R, Stephen S, Steve A, Tamney G, Hypervisor, This Is Not Pizza, Tina M, Tom M, Why That Tie Guy, Wootopian, Zach M, and of course, last but not least, Zoe G. Um, yeah, we uh, had we lost a patron or two and had a patron have to lower their pledge, which is totally cool. Totally get it if you have to do it. I'm not complaining about that. What I'm using that is to say, if you can become a uh, subscriber, help us get past, because that's below the goal now. We, we dip below the goal, which is fine. We hit the goal. I'm counting it. We officially hit the goal. But if you could get us back above there so we never dip below the goal again, patreon.com slash mattbinder. Really appreciate it if you can. And again, if you cannot financially support the show, totally cool. You could help by just spreading the word getting in touch with people who you want to see uh, me on the show, their show, or have them on my show, that helps greatly just as well as monetarily does. Um, so yeah, 
There'll be more shows this week with other people running for office. Um, and, uh, oh, the Super Chats. Uh, I think there was only one. Uh, Wreck Soul, simply with the Super Chat that says, Binder. And I believe, I'm not sure what, what, what language that is, but a couple of, uh, let, me, let, me, let me drop that in Google Translate and see what comes up. Hopefully it's something very nice. But it could be something very not nice. But if it is something very not nice, I'm cool with it. I just want to know what... Ah, okay, it's Japanese. And Rexel says, Binder-san. Why, uh... Hello, Rexel. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the super chat. Uh, all right, guys and gals. Uh... See you later on this week with more episodes with wonderful people running for office in the primaries. Uh, other than that, uh, see you all next time on Doomed. <laughs>